Welcome back to the All You Can Handle podcast with Ryan O'Halloran. On this episode, we will look back at week seven in the NFL, including last Thursday night's game, and as well as last night's Monday night football game. We will also preview the World Series, which starts tonight between the Atlanta Braves and the Houston Astros. We will also look at the preseason All-American list for NCAA college basketball, which came out a couple days ago, as well as check in on the NBA, which started last week, and look around the NBA and see how teams are doing and how players are doing as well. All right. So let's start with week seven in the NFL, which began last Thursday between the Broncos and the Browns, which was a pretty low-scoring game relatively to the NFL, which had the Browns winning 17-14. I feel like the highlight of that game was Dakari Johnson for the Browns, who was playing for the injured Nick Chubb, who had 22 carries for 146 yards and a touchdown. Pretty much shredded the Broncos' defense, really. Um, But I feel like the main story of the game was Baker Mayfield, obviously, with his shoulder injury, was unable to play. So the third string, um, excuse me, second string uh, backup quarterback, Case Keenum, was able to lead the Browns to a victory at home um, against the Broncos. But it's really not saying much. The Broncos have not had that great of a year so far, and they weren't able to muster up any offense against the Browns' defense at all on Thursday. They had a total of 223 yards um, throughout the whole game, which is very abysmal for an NFL team. They only had 41 rushing yards against the Browns. So that's just that's just poor, poor line play, honestly. Poor line play, poor, um, you know, rushing attack it just it just wasn't there for the Broncos they only had 182 yards passing through the air uh Teddy Bridgewater he had two touchdowns but he also threw a pick um but it was just a it was it was just kind of a, a natural Thursday night boring game really you know some sometimes there is Thursday night games that people get up for and people are very entertained by but this was just one of those Thursday night games that they threw out there just, you know, for the hell of it, I guess. And there wasn't, you know, anything else really going on. So uh, people people were tuned into that, you know, if they're NFL fans. But really, if you weren't a Browns or a Broncos fan, it wasn't, it wasn't too, much, uh, too much to watch. Um, but moving, moving on to Sunday. Sunday was, uh, you know, it was entertaining, but there was also some games that were just – Absolute, you know, dog crap, in my opinion, um, including one of the early morning games, in, which had the Giants hosting the Panthers. So the halftime score of this game was 5-3 to three in favor of um, the New York Giants. So a combined eight points in the first half between two NFL teams. That's just, that's horrific, honestly. Um, so if you were not a Giants or a Panthers fan, or if you had no fantasy implications, where there really wasn't much fantasy points being scored. 
by anybody on the team. Um, I think Devontae Booker had what did he say? He had okay, so he had fifty one yards and one touchdown. So that you know, that got some points for some fantasy owners. But other than that, it was just it was a terrible game. Um five to three, you know, so a field goal and a safety for the Giants in the first half and only a field goal for the Panthers. Um, yeah, it's awful. But moving to the second half, the Giants were able to muster up 20 points. So 20 points in the second half for, for the Giants, and they ended up winning 25-3. to three. So Panthers' defense, which has been really good so far this year, it's, it didn't look, didn't look that great in the second half. looked great in the first half. Um, but the offense for the Panthers is more of the issue right now. Without Christian McCaffrey, they had Chuba Hubbard, Chuba Hubbard excuse me, um, starting, and he, he didn't really have that great of a game. Um, but the, the real issue was Sam Darnold, who got benched um, in the second half for P.J. Walker, who was the, was the quarterback at Temple University under Matt Rule when Matt Rule was the, was the coach there. So he's got some ties there, so I understand why he may be the backup there. But, you know, um, there, is there any issues with Sam Darnold going forward? Um, was the benching just because he was, you know, playing terrible? Was he hurt? But I think Matt Rule after the game said that Sam Darnold is their quarterback moving forward. Um, so I guess that's a good sign for him. But there's also um, the looming trade rumors of Deshaun Watson, right? We have the deadline, I believe, is seven, seven days, seven or eight days away from today. So the Texans, obviously, they're not playing him. Deshaun Watson is facing, you know, sexual assault and sexual misconduct allegations. He hasn't been charged, which means he is not on the NFL exempt list, and he is able to play if if a team uh, wants to play him. But the Texans have no um, – they just, they just don't want to play him. They, they don't want to – they don't want to risk anything, you know, from the fans, from the media or anything. So they're just going with uh, David Mills for now. But if if the Panthers are, are uh, looking to move forward and make a playoff run, their defense is capable of, of carrying them to, to the playoffs. But their offense has just been terrible. Without Chris McCaffrey, Sam Darnold has not been – you know, very good in his career so far. I mean, he got drafted by the Jets, right? And he, he had a, you know, not a great experience, not a great um, surrounding cast with uh, with him at in uh, in New York. But, you know, he, he got moved to the Panthers. He thought maybe that it would have been a better situation for him, but it hasn't looked great so far. So the Panthers, they, they're in trade discussions, possibly, for Deshaun Watson. So... We'll see how that uh, see how that play, uh, pans out moving forward. Moving on to another morning game between uh, the New England Patriots, who hosted the aforementioned New York Jets. Patriots absolutely killed them with the final score of fifty-four to thirteen. Really, not much to say about this game other than that. The rookie quarterback for the Jets, Zach Wilson, ended up hurting his knee. I believe the diagnosis was a sprained PCL, so he is going to be out at least two weeks. I think the timetable was two to four weeks for the knee, but 
I could almost honestly see the Jets shutting him down for the season. You know, with a knee injury, you don't want, that's something you don't want to mess around with, right? We saw rookie quarterback Joe Burrow last year tear his ACL, and they obviously shut him down. And he's been great this year with with the surrounding cast, which we'll get into later. Um, so the Jets' backup quarterback was Mike White, right? Mike White, I think third or fourth year out of Western Kentucky. Um, you know, it's just it it had nothing had nothing to do with Mike White, but yeah, the Jets just looked terrible uh, against the Patriots. You know, Bill Belichick doing his thing at home, Mac Ten, you know, just absolutely, you know, playing brilliant this year. For uh, I think he was what the fourth quarterback drafted in the first round, so all the other three quarterbacks ahead of him haven't been putting up the numbers he has. So, you know, good for him. He's in a good good situation there. And I believe the Patriots have won 12 straight now against the Jets. So it's just, uh, you know, it's not looking good for the Jets, you know. They just need to uh, they just need to play with more heart, right? Even if they're losing, they still need to fight, claw their way into games. And it's just, it's just, it's just not there so far. Matt Sala, you know. I thought it was a good hire. He was a great defensive coordinator in San Francisco, but the defense hasn't been, you know, performing at all. I mean, the offense obviously hasn't been there either. So, um, with only one win in six uh, six games, where the Jets, it's uh, it's going going downhill pretty fast here uh, for New York. So, I I can't expect anything, uh, you know, outstanding or tremendous from them moving forward. But you know, we'll see what they can do and manage these next uh, these next 11 games and see where their draft position uh, is and see if they could uh, bolster the roster with a draft pick and or uh, some free agents maybe for next year. But moving on to probably the most surprising game of the week, uh, I would think, where the Kansas City, Kansas City Chiefs traveled to Tennessee to take on the Titans and – they absolutely got the brakes beaten off of them, right? They lost 27-3, to couldn't muster up an offensive touchdown, had to only settle for a field goal, which hit the hit the post. So they got lucky to even score three points. Um, yeah, something's going on with Kansas City. Uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, threw another interception. So that is, I believe, nine interceptions through the first seven games for Patrick Mahomes. Um yeah, I don't know. It's it it seemingly uh, comes down to I feel like the protection for uh, Kansas City. Their offensive line hasn't been able to protect Patrick Mahomes at all. It seems like he's almost scrambling for his life or having to throw desperate passes just because he's under so much duress. Uh, the Titans' defense, which has been very sus this year so far, they looked outstanding. Obviously, right, shutting down. Um, the Chiefs offense, which is very, you know, potent with Kelsey Hill, um, Pringle, Hardman. You know, they have elite athletes on the outside. Um, Williams, Edwards, Alaire's obviously hurt, so he wasn't playing. Um, but they were able to just contain and just smother the Chiefs, uh, which is which is very surprising. Patrick Mahomes did end up getting hurt uh, towards the end of that game. 
I believe he took a knee to the helmet, so he was a, a little little doozy, a little dazed coming off the field and was in uh, concussion protocol. But from what I've heard, he passed uh, uh, the concussion protocol, so moving forward, there shouldn't be any issue there. But, you know, the Chiefs now 3-4, and four, um, third in their division, looking up at the Raiders um, and the Chargers. So it's going to be an uphill uphill battle for the Chiefs to even have a shot at making the playoffs. So they have 10 games left. They're looking they're probably looking at 7 wins, maybe even 8 to even get into the playoffs. So 7 and 3 or 8 and 2 in the, in their last 10 to have a chance um, at making the playoffs. That's going to be a, it's going to be a tough battle. I mean, they could do it, but their defense just they need to figure it out. Their defense hasn't been able to stop anything really. Um, but yeah, can't take anything away from the Titans. They look legit, right? As long as Tannehill can manage the game, uh, I believe he threw for 270, a touchdown and interception, you know, AJ Brown absolutely went berserk. He had eight catches for 130, 133 yards and a touchdown. Um, so like I said, if Tannehill can manage the game, they have a chance to win each, each and every week, right? Because they have, I mean, arguably maybe the, the best player in the NFL so far this season, Derrick Henry, the king, right, who's absolutely going absolutely going crazy on the ground. He was managed, uh, I think, 86 yards, so kind of a, you know, underwhelming performance for him this week, but he also had a passing touchdown, so that's something uh, that he's added to his arsenal, it looks like, right? So you can't just worry about him running the ball, you know, he, he could pass the ball too. So Tennessee Titans are 5-2, and two one of the best teams in the NFL um, moving forward. They look legit. Um, yeah. So now we can talk about the Packers, who hosted the football team. Um, Aaron Rodgers looked amazing, right? Looked uh, MVP-like uh, Rodgers. Went for 274 yards passing and three touchdowns, no interceptions. Devontae Adams doing his thing as usual, uh, 76 yards and a touchdown. Um, they just they look great. Uh, beat the uh, beat the football team. Excuse me, twenty four to ten. Um, moved to six and one, uh, six straight wins. Uh, after their you know terrible loss to the Saints, where you know they they just they got smoked. But hey, they regrouped. Their offense has just been on fire since. And as long as their offense is uh, firing on all cylinders like it is, you know they're. They're a team to, team to watch moving forward. Um, but news the other day uh, came out that Devontae Adams was in the COVID protocol. I believe he tested positive for COVID. Um, so for their game upcoming, I believe they're playing on Thursday against the Cardinals. Excuse me, they're playing against the Cardinals on Thursday. So it's not looking like he's going to be able to get on the field, which is a big Big loss, right? Um, the way the Cardinals are playing, the Packers need almost everybody to be able to can, uh, compete with the Cardinals. Um, so moving forward, that's going to be something to look f look look into. I think he probably will just miss this one game and then come back next week unless he's able to – I believe the rules are he would have to um, have two negative tests in consecutive days 
um, to be able to play. So you'd have to have one today and tomorrow, and the game's on Thursday. So there's, you know, there's not much wiggle room for him to be able to um, get on the field. You know, the Redskins' defense, they had high hopes, uh, but it just hasn't been there uh, this year. Um, so they're 2-5 two, two and five on the season, so it's, you know, it's almost a chalk season for them. But, you know, having Taylor Heineke as their number one quarterback, that's, you know, good for him for, for being there, coming from a small uh, college school and being QB1 in the NFL. But, you know, that's not the – that's not the type of uh, talent you want uh, leading your team on offense. Um, no disrespect to him. But the defense really hasn't been there at all. But, you know, you can't blame the defense when the offense is unable to put up points. So moving on to the Falcons and Dolphins game, kind of a high-scoring game. Falcons won 30-28. to 28. Um, You know, Tua did put up some big numbers, but he also had a terrible uh, interception right after uh, the Dolphins turned over uh, the Falcons and Tua gave it right back. But um, it was a pretty close game. Falcons ended up kicking a walk-off field goal with the time expiring to take that victory 30-28. to 28. Uh, Kyle Pitts for the Falcons absolutely went off. I believe he went for 163 yards. No touchdowns, but still 163 yards. So he's, he's having a great season so far as a rookie. Matt Ryan I'm sure is loving it. Him and Calvin Ridley, they're, they're, a, they're a, um, a dangerous duo for the Falcons, who are 3-3. Three and three. So they're in the hunt. They're in contention um, moving forward. Dolphins, 1-6. and six, It's just not looking good. Um, but the Dolphins have also been rumored to be in the Deshaun Watson, uh, <clears throat> you know, lottery. Um to possibly trade for him, but I don't, I don't see, you know, why they would want to go forward with that trading the assets that would be needed to acquire Watson when they're one and six, and they would almost have to win out to even have a shot to make the playoffs. But maybe they're looking forward to the twenty twenty two season and the future beyond. And I guess Tua may not be that option uh, at quarterback for him. But you know you got to give him you got to give him a little more time. He's battled some injuries, I know, but I feel like you got to have at least you know full full healthy season for him to showcase his talent. But you know maybe they're just moving on and they just want to pack it up and move on. Another surprising game this week weekend <clears throat> was the Bengals who traveled to um, MNT Bank Stadium in Baltimore and took on the Lamar Jackson and the Ravens and. They beat them 41-17. The game was a lot closer than the, the score alluded to as um, the Bengals just, I think they went on a, what was it, 17, I think a 17-0 run in the fourth quarter to basically put that game away. Um, Joe Burrow balled out, right? And then Jamar Chase, he, he balled out as well. I believe Jamar Chase, 12 catches, no, excuse me, 12, eight catches for 201 yards and a touchdown. And he had that big, what was it, 75 or something like that? Uh, what was it, 82-yard 82 82-yard 82 uh, touchdown catch, which looked like a, you know, a basic slant, but he was able to uh, you know, make defenders miss in his breakaway speed. No one was catching him. And I believe Marlon Humphreys was the man who was covering him. Marlon Humphreys, probably the best defender on the Ravens, and 
one of the best defenders in the NFL, and Jamar Chase was able to, um, you know, burn him. Um, I think it's just a runaway now for rookie, uh, rookie of the year with uh, Jamar Chase. Probably you can almost, you know, hand it to him now. Um, just the way that that uh, he's been performing this year. Joe Burrows went for 416 yards, three touchdowns. Um, you know, he's he's been absolutely going off this year. Coming off ACL uh, surgery, which is, you know, very surprising. Good for him. You know, coming off uh, a knee injury like that, sometimes it takes a little bit longer than expected to, you know, reach your full potential. And it seems like he's he's already got it. Um, yeah, and the, the Ravens, they usually don't get beat that bad at home. They don't really get beat at home anyways, but um, – yeah, so it was that was it was a that was a great game to watch. Very, very good. Lamar Jackson. He he wasn't uh, he wasn't his best, right? I think he he was more like the old Lamar. I think he it was like less than no, it was like roughly. I think it was less than fifty percent passing. Oh yeah, he went so he went fifteen for thirty one, two hundred fifty seven yards and a touchdown. So he wasn't able to complete the ball like he has been this year. Um, so he needs to uh, needs to work on that moving forward, and they just need to bounce back, right? The Ravens do. And so after that game, both the teams' records were five and two, and Bengals now have uh, the lead, right, in uh, in the AFC North, which is which is crazy because I think they were plus twenty five hundred to win that division uh, prior to the year. So for them to have the lead right now and um, Moving forward, I don't I don't think that offense is going to be slowing down at all. So as long as the defense can keep them in the game, I think the Bengals have a really good shot at making the playoffs and maybe even making a run too, which would be very interesting and kind of fun too for have uh, for having like a team that's you know not made the playoffs in quite a bit and really ha- hasn't made much noise in the NFL in a while either. So love to see uh, the Who Day boys in Cincinnati uh, showing out. Moving on to what the homecoming for Jared Goff, uh, where the Lions traveled to that brand new what was it four three four three or four billion dollar stadium in uh, L.A. SoFi Stadium. Um, the Lions they took the they took a lead. I believe they were up 10-0 real quick on the Rams. Scored a touchdown. Then they did an onside kick. Right first quarter, like four or five minutes into the game, onside kick. And then I believe that same possession, uh, they got stopped. So it was fourth down for the Lions. They were looking like they were going to punt back to the Rams. Fake punt. Boom. They got the ball back. First down for the offense. And I believe they settled for a field goal. So they up 10-0 real quick. But um, Stafford got the troops gathered up and they were able to manage a comeback. Um, I believe they were up 17 to 16 at halftime. So down 10-0, up 17-16 at halftime. Good comeback. And then they basically, you know, put the hammer down in the, in the second half and won 28-19. Um, you know, Jared Goff in his homecoming, 268 yards, one touchdown, two interceptions. So, you know, not the greatest, but not the worst, I guess, uh, for a franchise who basically gave up on him, traded him for Stafford who had been doing everything he could in Detroit but could barely make the playoffs. Um, just that defense was never helping him out. He you know, didn't really have the weapons uh, that he does now, right? 
I mean, my gosh, him and Cooper Cup has just have been clicking all year long. Cup with another tremendous game, 10 catches, 158 yards, two touchdowns, just absolutely slashing the Lions uh, defense. But, you know, you can't, you can't fault the Lions who fall to 0-7, winless on the year. At least they fought, right? They, were, they, they fight in every game, you know. It's not like the Jets who just seem to give up when they're down. You know, the Lions fight. They may lose, but it's one thing to lose and give up than to lose and, and at least you're giving it your all, right? And I believe the Lions are doing that. So eventually they're going to get a win, you know. It's, it's tough. It's tough for Detroit, I'm, uh, I'm sure, you know. The sports, that sports city, right? And, you know, I've been through a rough past recently. You know, they had the Red Wings doing their thing, you know, what, 10 years ago maybe. They were, they were doing their thing. Um, Pistons, they haven't been doing much. Tigers haven't been doing much either. And then Lions, obviously, they just, you know, just have been terrible in uh, recent history. But eventually they're getting some – they got the – they got their, their young pieces, right? They just need to find a quarterback and some more uh, weapons for that team. And then that defense, as long as they can keep them in games, they have, a, they have a shot. But, you know, can't fault them for losing the Rams, which are one of the best teams in the NFL. You know, they gave it their all. So the Rams moved to 6-1, and one, and they look forward to the rest of the season. Um, I believe they play... Uh, Sunday night football against the Texans. No, not Sunday night. Sunday morning football against the Texans this week, which they're probably going to be a big favorite again. Um, so shouldn't have a problem with the Texans at all this week. The Raiders and the Eagles. Uh, the Raiders were up 30-7 to at one point in this game. And the final score ended up being 33-22. So... Looked a little closer on the scoreboard, but it, it, really, it really wasn't, right? The Raiders, they're 2-0 after all that nonsense with John Gruden. So, hey, maybe they got the cancer out of the locker room and they, uh, you know, head down just playing each game hard, well, fighting, you know, moving forward. Now they've moved to 5-2, and two, which is I think is tied for the best record in the AFC. Uh, with the Bills and the uh, Titans, Not, yeah, the Bills, Titans, and Bengals, I think all have five and two records. Um, yeah, which was surprising that uh, the Raiders could uh, move the ball as well as they could without their you know leading pass catcher. I mean, probably their best offensive player in Darren uh, Darren Waller, who was out with an ankle injury. Uh, backup tight end Foster Moreau. He slid in right into uh, Darren Waller's spot, and he went off. He had six catches for 60 yards and a touchdown, right? Derek Carr went uh, for 323 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. Kenyon Drake, very good on the ground, 69 yards and a touchdown. You know, the offense looked good. The defense held uh, the Eagles in check for most of the game, but they gave up 15 points in the fourth quarter, which, you know, the game seemed to be uh, – out of reach at, for the Eagles at that point, but they did muster up a little bit of comeback. Um, Jalen Hurts, he played pretty well, um, relatively, he had 236 yards and two touchdowns, uh, while also rushing for 61 yards. So he had a pretty uh, pretty good game. Uh, I believe the Eagles fall to 2-5 and five on the season, 
you know, which is, you know, not that good. I think they had higher hopes than two and five, maybe not, you know, Super Bowl hopes, but definitely not to start the season two and five. Um, and they've also been rumored to be interested in Deshaun Watson. So that would be interesting moving forward if they move on from Jalen Hurts pretty quickly too. Um, but I think that would be – that might be the best team, in my opinion, for Deshaun Watson uh, to be traded to. Um, I feel like the Eagles have options and weapons um, for him and also their defense. Uh, usually it's pretty good. They haven't been good this year, but usually they're good. Um, so – That'll be interesting uh, looking forward uh, to see if uh, they make any uh, offers for Deshaun Watson. So briefly, we'll touch on the last two games of the afternoon where the Cardinals hosted the Texans and, you know, demolished them 31-5. to Texans, Texans actually were on the board first with a safety, which was kind of wild. You know, the first score of the game is a safety. Uh, kicked, kicked a field goal, then that was it, basically. Um, Kyler Murray obviously doing his thing as long as he can stay healthy, right? Knock on wood. Um, the Cardinals, they're going to be a force to be reckoned with uh, moving forward. I believe they're the last undefeated team uh, in the NFL at 7-0. and um, So many weapons around him. Uh, you know, just recently acquiring Zach Ertz, that just helps him with Deon, uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um as well, Chase Edmonds has been great this year, and that defense has been awesome, right? J.J. Watt had his homecoming uh, against uh, the Texans as well as uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Um, yeah, and Texans, they, you know, obviously didn't score offensive touchdown, so there's really not much to touch on that. So moving forward, we have the we had the Buccaneers hosting the Bears. Final score of 38-3 to for the Buccaneers. Uh, Tom Brady... Um, First player in the NFL history with 600 career passing touchdowns. Uh, passed it to Mike Evans. I'm sure everybody saw Mike Evans. Gave the ball away. You know, had a little brain fart. Didn't realize it was his 600 touchdown uh, Brady's. And gave it to a fan. Team uh, team official came over to the fan from the Buccaneers and, you know, talked to him. And luckily the guy was nice enough to give the ball back. But um, I believe it came out yesterday that, the fan was going to be receiving a couple of autographed Tom Brady jerseys, a Mike Evans jersey, Mike Evans game-worn cleats, um, season tickets for the remainder of this season and next season, and then I believe Tom Brady said he was going to buy him a Bitcoin. So if you're into cryptocurrency, um, I believe a Bitcoin is valued at roughly $60,000 right now. So, you know, he came out, you know, with a, you know, a lot. But, I mean, honestly, if he would have just kept that and left, I'm sure he could have sold that for a few hundred thousand dollars, maybe even more for uh, that ball because that ball is obviously going to go in the Hall of Fame, right? Um, yeah, so back to the game. Bears, they, you know, they, they're they 3-4, and four, um, which, I mean, is, isn't terrible, but – uh, not good, but the way they've been playing and the way they played uh, on Sunday, that record should be, you know, one and six, to be honest. Justin Fields has just been thrown in the fire. The offensive line can't protect him for, for anything. Uh, he just, you know, he seems to be just scrambling for his life. Uh, he had three interceptions, but 
You know, that was just mostly because they were down the whole game. So they had to try to catch up. Uh, Khalil Herbert had 18 carries for 100 yards, so I guess that was the bright spot for the offense. Um, going back to Brady, he had four touchdowns, 211 yards. Uh, Godwin, big game, eight catches, 111 yards, and a touchdown. You know, Bron uh, excuse me, Broncos. Buccaneers seem to be clicking on offense, obviously. I guess their only concern would be the health of the defense. Uh, defense aligning and defense of, uh, like, front linebackers, that's, that's no problem at all. They're able to stop the run with ease. It's more of the uh, secondary in which um, they're, you know, plagued with injuries, and that seemed to be the problem last year as well, people throwing on them. But as long as they could, uh, you know, hash that out, iron that out, <clears throat> they probably will still be the favorite to win the uh, Super Bowl this year as well. Um, yeah. So moving on to the Sunday night game, um, which the 49ers hosted uh, the Indianapolis Colts. Uh, if you watched that game, you saw how uh, how terrible the weather was there. West Coast was hit with that atmospheric uh, riverfront, which basically, you know, just turns into rain. Um, uh, yeah, it was just p pouring rain, just terrible. But I believe the under-over was at 41.5. They ended up scoring 48 points, so they covered pretty easily. Colts ended up winning 30-18. to 18. Niners took the took the lead early, but they kind of just went away from what gave them their first down, um, kind of like running the ball in misdirection. Jimmy G uh, played yeah, played poorly, 181 yards, a touchdown, two interceptions. Uh, Wentz, Wentz, Wentz looked pretty good. 100, I mean, he only had 150 yards and two touchdowns, but he's able, you know, game manager. And he's just been, like, you know, revamped since he came over from Philly. Feel like uh, him and Frank Reich click more than uh, he did with the coaching staff, Doug Peterson and crew in in Philadelphia. Um, you know, uh, you know the record may not you know indicate it. They're three and four, but they they, they played pretty well um, relatively. Jonathan Taylor had another good game, eighteen carries, one hundred seven yards, and a touchdown. Michael Pittman lit up that San Francisco secondary, four catches for one hundred five yards and a touchdown. So he's averaging over twenty five yards a catch. Um, which shouldn't happen at all for any NFL secondary, but, you know, he was just able to run wild. Um, so, interesting enough, the Niners actually have been in uh, rumors to maybe acquire Deshaun Watson as well. Um, that would obviously require the Niners to give, probably give up Trey Lance, uh, their first uh, round pick uh, this year, but um, I believe the Texans said they didn't want a QB in return, so uh, probably a long shot. But that would be very interesting as well if the Niners were able to acquire Watson because that would – I feel like that would instantly uh, put the Niners into contention because their defense, you know, which at the beginning of the season was supposed to be, you know, one of the best in the league, which hasn't been so far – um, usually is able to keep the, the Niners in games, but it seems like the offense has been the problem um, mainly this season with the quarterback play, Garoppolo not playing well. And then Lance, obviously a rookie being thrown in there, um, hasn't played well uh, either, but he's been hurt too. So Watson with the Niners, that could be a dangerous threat, right? Um, so we'll see. see how that goes. We'll see what uh, happens with Watson here in the next week or two. Actually, not two, but a week. So moving on to last night's game, uh, the last game of uh, week seven, 
Um, Monday night football between the Saints and the Seahawks. Uh, Seahawks playing at home. Saints ended up winning 13 to 10 with uh, a late field goal in the game. Kind of a boring game, obviously 23 total points. Um, very low scoring. Um, not really much to, uh, to say about it. Nothing really popped out crazy about the game. Um, you know, obviously Russell Wilson hurt, um, tore ligaments in his thumb. So he's going to be out, uh, I believe, for a few more weeks. Um, but I guess with Russell Wilson, you never know. Guy puts the work um, in on and off the field. So, you know, he, you know, wouldn't surprise me if he's able to play uh, in their next game, which probably would be doubtful. Chris Carson, their starting running back, I think hasn't played in a couple weeks. He's battling a neck injury, as he did last year. So it's kind of tough having your starting quarterback and starting running back out. Um, Alvin Kamara did uh, perform very well. He led led the Saints. I think he led uh, both teams in catches, having the running back have. He had 10 catches for 128 yards and a touchdown. So 10 catches from a running back, that's, that's pretty wild. But the Saints – they don't have the weapons um, on the outside as they usually do with Michael Thomas, you know, doing Michael Thomas things. Sean Payton still does not want to comment on that fiasco at all. Um, obviously, Michael Thomas had a hurt ankle. He waited late into the off season to have that surgery, so he was, you know, not able to play in the first few games for the Saints, and not quite sure when he'll be ready. Um, and like I said, Sean Payton doesn't want to talk about it at all. So there's there's some stuff going on internally that we probably don't know about, which is awkward. But, you know, with Michael Thomas on the field, the Saints could be a legit threat. Uh, they moved to 4-2 and two, um, on the season. Um, Jameis Winston, you know, game manager, 222 yards, one touchdown. He's been playing very well this year. I think his passing touchdowns are up to 14 now, and he's only thrown three picks. So he's on pace for like a 40-10, 40-12 season when it comes to touchdowns um, and interceptions, which is which is awesome because a few years ago he was the first NFL quarterback to throw 30 touchdowns and 30 interceptions in a season. Um, so it's it's a great fit for him in, uh, in New Orleans with Sean Payton because he's not just uh, throwing crazy passes and forcing, forcing the issue, right? Uh, he's actually game managing. He's got a great running back. He's got a good defense that he can rely on too, um, which he probably you know didn't have in Tampa Bay when he was there last. He, you know he had it was basically him and the Mike Evans show, right? Um, so, and that that wraps it up for Week Seven in the NFL. Um, next, we can go ahead and move on and let's preview the World Series, <clears throat> the World Series, excuse me, which starts tonight between the Houston Astros and the Atlanta Braves. So Houston will have home field advantage during um, the World Series uh, because they had a better record. They were 95 and 67 in the regular season versus the Braves who were 88 and 73 during the regular season. So tonight's starting pitchers are Framber Valdez for Houston and Charlie Morton um, for the Braves. Uh, last time we saw Framber Valdez was, <clears throat> excuse me, game five in Boston 
where he pitched a gem. He went eight innings, one earned, five Ks, and one walks. And the Astros ended up winning that game 9-1, to one, only allowing Boston to have three hits in that game. So starting a lefty against uh, Atlanta kind of kind of counters their, you know, what has been their offense, right? You look at what they've done in the playoffs. Uh, Freddie Freeman been great. But, you know, I don't know. the If the Braves end up winning the World Series, you, depending on how, what he does in the World Series, you might have to give the MVP to Eddie Rosario. I mean, that guy has been absolutely crushing the ball. He, he was a double away from the cycle um, against the Dodgers um, in their closeout. Uh, no, it was not their closeout game. Excuse me. That was that would have been game five in L.A. Um, and he ended up hitting a home run. So his last at-bat, he needed a double, and he ended up hitting a home run. So it was two home runs, a triple, um, and a single for Rosario in that game, which is – that's unbelievable. Um, people – you know, we're hoping for that ball to be short to hit off the wall, and it's kind of, you know, funny to think. It's like, oh, I hope I get a double instead of a home run, but I guess, he, you know, people wanted him to get the um, the cycle in the playoffs, which would have been uh, crazy as well. Um, so Charlie Morton, a right-hander for Atlanta, starts um, to, you know, obviously try to counter the uh, right-handers for Houston, but seemingly enough, the – the Astros, they've been hitting right-handed pitchers better than left-handed pitchers. So we'll see how that um, plays out tonight for Charlie Morton, who's making his return um, to Minute Maid Park, where in 2017, while he was on the Astros, won a World Series, the infamous World Series, right, where uh, the Astros were um, you know, accused of using trash cans to give signals for breaking balls to the hitters and also possibly having electronic equipment uh, attached to their uh, attached to their bodies which you know I think gave a little vibration or some sort of indication that a certain pitch was coming and they did get caught which resulted in um, you know uh, fines and members of that organization getting uh, suspended but as far as the game tonight, I think I think Houston will win. Um, should be a relatively close game. I think Houston's going to win um, five to two. I think Frambear Frambear uh, Valdez continues his uh, hot streak versus uh, the Braves um, pitching wise. I think he stifles them uh, a bit. And then I also do think that um, Jordan Alvarez, who believe in the last two, the last three games, no, the last two games of the series against Boston, uh, game five and game six, five and game six, had seven combined hits. And I believe the and the Astros had a combined five or six hits in those two games. So Jordan Alvarez out hit the Red Sox in the last two games of that series. So I think he's a big factor as well. Uh, big, powerful left-handed hitter with you know great speed as well. I think he's a um, one of the key factors, like I said, in tonight's game, uh, lefty versus righty matchup. Um, but I believe Al- Altuve is he's been he was struggling a little bit against Boston, but I could see him coming back to form and performing as well. Um, you know that lineup is just dangerous. You know, Altuve, Bregman, Correa, 
Brantley, <clears throat> even the batting champ, uh, Yuli Gurriel, um, he's batting seventh, which is, you know, pretty wild having the AL batting champ uh, batting seventh in the lineup shows how dangerous that lineup can be. Um, but the Braves, they don't have uh, they don't have a slouch of a lineup either. Um, you know, like I said, mentioning Eddie Rosario, who's probably going to bat towards the bottom of the lineup, and he's probably arguably been their best hitter this postseason. Um, like I said, mentioning those numbers that he put up against the Dodgers in that one game. He also hit a home run in the clinching game uh, against the Dodgers as well in Game Six uh, in Atlanta. Ozzy Albies, uh, excuse me, Ozzy Albies um, leading off. I believe Jorge Soler probably will get the nod as a DH, um, having come off the COVID list uh, within the last week or so. Uh, Freddie Freeman obviously has um, has proven himself as one of the great hitters in the MLB. Uh, but it'll be interesting to see the lefty on lefty matchup. But Freddie Freeman does hit lefties very well as well. Um, Austin Riley and Adam Duvall have had great seasons as well. Uh, I believe Austin Riley has hit three three seasons in a row with 30-plus home runs, uh, if I'm not correct. So, And he's having a, a decent postseason as well. So it'll be interesting. Um, could be a lot of offense, but the pitching um, might uh, stifle offenses as well. Um, I give the advantage when it comes to starting pitchers probably to the Braves as Lance McCullers is um, not on the World Series roster because of forearm tightness. Um, but when it comes to uh, relievers, I, th I would think that Houston probably has the advantage. Ryan Presley closing it out. They got Phil um, Mayton that they acquired from the Indians, who's very, um, as, well, as, long as, as well as Ryan Stanek. Uh, the Braves have, you know, Tyler Mazik, Mazik however, um, I believe is how you pronounce his name. They have a great bullpen as well with Will uh, Smith, um, not the actor, as their closer. Um, so it will be very interesting uh, moving forward. But as as far as uh, tonight's game, I believe the Astros get it done. So it will be very, very, you know, exciting. The World Series is back, back in Houston, so I'm sure – People don't like to see that, but it is what it is. You got to beat them, right? Astros have been playing very well. Regular season, they were very, uh, very good. Postseason, they've been just as, uh, just as good as well. So, as far as that uh, preview for tonight's game, let's go ahead and move on and talk about uh, the preseason All Americans for college basketball, which were released the other day. And that preseason All American team includes Drew Timmy of Gonzaga. Kofi Cokeburn of Illinois, Connor Gillespie of Villanova, Johnny Juzang of UCLA, and Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana. So let's first talk about Drew Timmy. Um, I believe he's a junior. Yeah, he's, so he's returning as a junior um, to the Gonzaga team, which was preseason number one. Um, which is, you know, a great ranking for them. I'm, I'm not quite sure that they should be number one, but um, they're obviously there. They have a great talent. They have Chet Holmgrig, the number one player in the country, returning, um, which, you know, should be fun for them in Spokane. Uh, obviously the thing with Gonzaga is 
that they play in a very weak conference, but their non-conference schedule is obviously very strong, always strong. But the thing is, when it comes to the postseason, they, they just seem to always get to the postseason as a number one seed, but they seem to stumble um, towards the end, you know, losing in the championship game two out of the, what, last four years, I believe, to North Carolina in 17, and then losing to Baylor last year. Um, Timmy last year averaged 19-7-2, and two, and he shot, I believe, 65% from the field. So that's great numbers, and I could see him easily putting up the same numbers, if not a little bit more, um, with uh, the losses of uh, Jalen Suggs and uh, Corey Kispert, who were probably the two, I wouldn't say main leaders, but definitely two of the best players on that team uh, last year. So, yeah, it'll be interesting. I think Timmy will have a great year. Uh, like I said, he's got the uh, freshman um, Chet Holmgren coming uh, to Spokane. So it'll be interesting how they play together. Um, so moving on to Johnny Juzang uh, last year, and, you know, the transfer from Kentucky, went back home. He's a SoCal boy. Uh, Mitt Cronin loves him. Mitt Cronin loves uh, to play hard. Great defensive coach, um, very intense. And I believe that Johnny Juzang will have a great year this year. I'm not sure he'll have the same type of year, and I don't think UCLA will have the success they had last year, making it to uh, the Final Four. I believe last year he – I think he averaged like 15 or 16 points in the regular season, but when it came to you know, the dance, he averaged close to 23 points um in uh the tournament which is obviously the time where you want to perform your best he's a great uh combo guard he's big i believe he's six seven he can shoot very well plays defense very well so it was interesting that he did not enter the nba uh draft pool i believe he probably would have been a first round pick um but you know it's just uh more time for um uh, Juzang to improve some skills that maybe he needs to polish up a little bit and maybe he improves his draw, uh, draft stock and you know goes higher than he was projected this year so should be an interesting year for him I think UCLA will have success but I don't believe they'll have as much success as they did last year so let's move on to Kofi big Kofi from Illinois the big center seven foot you know, a true big center in college basketball, usually you have those kind of combo centers, those kind of taller, skinnier guys that can handle the ball and shoot the ball. But Kofi, you know, he he has a decent mid-game. Not, I mean, not mid-game, more of like, you know, kind of free throw line and in. Uh, definitely does not shoot threes. I believe he's seven foot two, close to 290. So he's, he's, a, he's a legit big guy. Um, interesting enough that he didn't go into the NBA draft. He probably would have been a first-round pick. He's, I mean, he's already, you know, established himself physically as a player that could play in the NBA right away. Um, but, you know, maybe he wants to work on that jumper a little bit because, you know, as the game has progressed now, uh, those big men need, need to improve on their shooting, outside shooting. Not necessarily need to shoot threes, but definitely need to be able to knock down those, you know, 15 to 17 footers. Last year... Um, Kofi averaged 17 and 9, so basically a double-double. Um, very impressive for a collegiate player. 
<clears throat> who had Io uh, Diosambo um, on his team, and they made a run in, in the NCAA tournament, but probably didn't go as far as they wanted to. So it'll be interesting to see how they um, uh, perform this year. It'll, I believe Kofi will probably be the preseason uh, Big Ten Player of the Year um, for the Illini. And uh, I could see uh, them making another run in the tournament um, as well. So moving on to the guards, we have Colin Gillespie of Villanova, um, who's a graduate student. He obviously tore his knee up last year and had to sit out the rest of the year. So he's coming back for his final year. Um, he averaged 14-4-3 and three last year uh, before being hurt. You know, and he's the he's the catalyst of uh, the Wildcats' offense of in Villanova of Jay Wright's team. You know, kind of a great leader, doesn't force too much. He's a great shooter, um, loves the loves the ball in his hand. He's able to create for himself and for for other players. So, um, no problem with him being a preseason uh, All American. Probably might be the preseason uh, Big East Player of the Year as well. Um, and Villanova will obviously have a, uh, another solid team this year um, moving forward. I could see them uh, being like a five or six seed in the tournament, making making maybe making a little run, a couple wins, but nothing crazy. Um, but Gillespie, great player. Uh, love to see him back in action. And finally, the last preseason All-American, AP uh, preseason All-American, Trace Jackson Davis of Indiana, who the last two seasons, I believe, has led the Hoosiers in points and rebounds um, for that team. So he's um, he's looking to do the same this year, obviously with uh, Kofi in the Big Ten, who is probably going to be the preseason player of the year. Jackson probably right behind uh, as well. Great uh, athletic um, point forward. You know, he could shoot the ball a little bit, but he's – Seems to be more of like a slasher uh, type of player, able to knock down those mid-range jumpers. Great offensive rebounder, great defensive rebounder, as well as a, a great um, defender as well. Uh, Indiana, they're looking for you know a, a good season. Um, they've had you know good seasons in the past, but you know historically, Indiana basketball has has been great, right? They've won national championships. You know you you had you know Bob Knight there doing his thing years ago and you know the the fans the students the 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 locals of Bloomington they they're hoping for a great season and you know Trace Jackson Davis it starts with him it ends with him basically and let's see uh, what they can do so that's that's the end of the preseason uh uh first team all-american uh preview let's go ahead and Check in on the NBA, which started seven days ago, six days ago. Started, I believe it's no, it started seven days ago. Started last Tuesday with the with the defending champs, Bucks, uh, demolishing the Nets, uh, the Kyrie Irving less Nets, um, with Harden and Kevin Durant basically having to take on Giannis, Middleton, and crew. Um, and then the nightcap was the Warriors um, at the Lakers, in which Steph Curry who had a terrible shooting night, still ended up with a triple-double and the Warriors doing Warriors things, playing team ball 
assisting, I believe they had 31 assists as a team, which is, which is pretty incredible. Beating the Lakers by seven, I think it was 121-114 final. Um, first look at the new Lakers with Russ, AD, LeBron, Carmelo, Dwight, and all the other uh, uh, pieces that they have. Um, you know, they, they looked okay. It's just it's going to be interesting moving forward with the Lakers as you have so many, you know, people on that team with the addition of Russ that need the ball in their hands. I mean, Russell Westbrook, I don't believe he can play off the ball. He seems, you know, when he does his thing with the triple-doubles, he's controlling, he's controlling the game right with the ball in his hand. And, um, you know, LeBron, LeBron is able to play with the ball, without the ball. Um, so that, there's no problem there, but when it comes to Russ, it's really interesting when, you know, late in the, late in the games, if it's close game or they're down, I believe LeBron's going to have the ball in their hand. LeBron is going to have the ball in his hand. So it'll be, you know, very interesting, like I said, to see what Russ is able to do off the ball because he's, he's not, he's not a great shooter at all, right? He's got the, the nickname as, uh, Russell Westbrook, right? He's a terrible three-point shooter, to be honest. He's got an okay mid-range, but, you know, the heart and soul of his game is driving and slashing, tough uh, layups, dunks, etc. And it's, it's, it's going to be wild, really. Um, and then also with Carmelo, the addition of Carmelo, he needs the ball in his hand, right? He's, he doesn't play very well uh, off the ball. He seems to want to isolate one-on-one, right? Iso ball. Um, shimmy, shimmy, maybe fade away, step back, stuff like that. I mean, he's he's a great shooter. You saw the other night against, I believe it was last night, against the Grizzlies. He had 21 points, I believe. Uh, he had a stretch where he had like eight in a row, two threes in a in a in a jumper. So he, I mean, he didn't carry the Lakers to the win. They ended up winning um, by three points with John Morant uh, at the line after being fouled, shooting the three to tie the game with a few seconds left, only hitting two out of three, which basically has the game when he missed it. Um, but, yeah, Russell Westbrook in that game, he did not guard John Morant. It was mainly um, Kent Bazemore who guarded him. So it's, it's it, like I said, it's, it, it's, a, it's a slippery slope when it comes to the Lakers. Especially with Russell Westbrook, you know, you got to give it time. I don't know exactly how it's going to play out. Um, I'd say like 25 to 30 games in, if they're still struggling. Um, you obviously saw that dust up between AD and Dwight, but which was quote unquote squashed right after the game uh, with AD pushing Dwight and them getting each other's faces during a timeout um, when they lost to the Suns. So they started the season 0-2, losing to the Warriors and the Suns, and they end up bouncing back against the Grizzlies, which was a tough one uh, to go 1-2. and two. And they played tomorrow against the Spurs. So we'll see what happens uh, against them, if they're able to continue with this winning streak and maybe parlay that win against the Grizzlies and parlay that to a win against the Spurs and then keep you know rolling forward. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everybody thought that this, you know, it was going to be the Lakers Nets super team versus super team final, but it doesn't seem to be that way to start the season. Uh, the Nets are two and two. Um, 
to start off the the season so far. They won against the the Wizards, excuse me, um, last night, but they did lose to the Hornets at home, and then obviously got smoked by the Bucks on opening night. But that loss against the Hornets at home was kind of surprising um, because you know you would think that the Nets at home should be able to beat the uh, Hornets, but the Hornets the Hornets have looked great to start the season. They are three and one. And Miles Bridges for uh, Charlotte might be the surprising player of the year so far. Uh, he's averaging 25 points, uh, two assists, and I believe nine rebounds, eight rebounds, excuse me, eight rebounds. So Miles Bridges is playing out of his mind. And that team with, you know, LaMelo Ball, uh, Gordon Hayward and crew um, have looked, looked terrific. Um, they like to play very very open, very freak, you know, not necessarily street ball, but they like to play up and down. Um, LaMelo does his thing with the ball in his hand. Great, he's a great, he's a great passer. He understands the game. He can shoot, you know, fairly well. Um, he's just a good distributor, and it'll be very fun to watch them moving forward, especially uh, the way they have started the season. Statistically, through a few games, you know, basically a week through the uh, the NBA season, points leaders, John Morant is leading the NBA with 35 points a game. You know, he's a problem. Uh, the other night against the Lakers, you know, there's just there's just nobody who could stop him one-on-one. Um, you could say that for a bunch of players, but him especially, he's just so athletic. He's able to shoot the ball uh, consist- consistently enough where a defender has to get up into him and then when that happens he's able to just blow by him and acrobatically finish at the rim with ease um so it'll be interesting to see if he could keep up that um pace scoring wise chris paul and trey young uh leading the assist chris paul with 11 almost 12 assists a game trey young 10 you know that's that's nothing new they're both great distributors trey young obviously can score the ball, you know, a little better than Chris Paul that can in his career now. You know, the Bulls, the Bulls are four and zero to start the season. That's that's pretty good. They've got a a revamped lineup with Vucevic, Rosen, DeRozan, excuse me. They have Ball, obviously. They got the Crew Show. Uh, can't forget about Zach Levine, probably their their best overall player. Um, and then the Warriors and the Jazz are the other two undefeated teams so far. Warriors with a nice uh, little local rivalry rivalry game against the Kings the other night. Uh, come back, Steph Curry doing his thing. Jordan Poole playing very well, showing his capability, putting in the work in the offseason. Uh, Jazz, obviously, um, Donovan Mitchell. He's just he's just a absolute beast, can score from anywhere. And that team will be obviously – in the contention to uh, win the West and maybe make a finals run like they have been in the uh, recent uh, recent years. So, you know, just a preview of the first week in the NBA. It's been, there's been some very good games, a uh, few overtime, few high-scoring games, and the Knicks have looked good. Um, it's always good in, uh, when the Knicks are good. It's, you know, good for the NBA, uh, good for the culture. Um, and, yeah, love to see it. Uh, appreciate uh, everybody listening. If you could go ahead and follow my socials, Instagram, Boss underscore O'Halloran, and Twitter, at Boss O'Halloran as well. And if you could uh, like, um, 
this uh, podcast. That'd be great. And we will see you next time um, with the All You Can Handle podcast with Ryan O'Halloran. Peace.